We've been, this is week two in our new series on Esther. And the book of Esther, just to kind of give you a recap for those of you who were gone last week, it's um, an interesting and, and very mysterious and very controversial book. And the reason why is because, um, well, it's named after a woman. There are only two books in the entire Bible named after a woman, which is why we named our daughter after a character in this book. And it's, it's, it has a lot of sexuality and a lot of brutality and a lot of immorality and a lot of violence. So it's a good book. Raise your hand if you like violence. Yeah, yeah okay. and brutality and sexuality. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's, there's a lot of controversy because of all this brutality. And on top of all this brutality and sexuality and drunkenness and hedonism, there's absolutely no mention of God. It's a godless book. God isn't mentioned. God doesn't speak. No one talks about God. No one prays to God. An angel doesn't come and say, God doesn't like what you're doing. A prophet doesn't come and say, God's going to get you one way or another. It's just a godless book. It doesn't even have to be in the Bible. It could, it could very well not be in the Bible because it doesn't seem like it fits. There's nothing about God at all in there. The only thing in there that's re remotely religious is there are Jews. So it's a particularly interesting book for us here at Missio Day, because our mission statement is to influence culture. We want to be in the culture. And so this makes us ask the question, how does a religious minority live in a culture where everything is pretty much anti-Christ? How do we as Christians influence and live in this culture when sexuality, drunkenness, hedonism is rampant, and God seems to be very far, far off? We live in a culture just like that, do we not? And so that's why this book becomes a good book for us. Tonight, as we look through this next part of this chapter one, we're going to contrast two kingdoms. Last week, we talked about Xerxes as the king, and we contrast Xerxes the king to Jesus the king. This week, we're going to contrast Xerxes' kingdom to Jesus's kingdom. And so we've got the kingdom of Xerxes the Great, and we've got the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Now, what I want to tell you before we dig, dig into this is that the themes of king and kingdom are extremely important for us as human beings. Maybe you've heard of the phenomenal work called The Tale of Two Cities. Anyone heard of this work? It's, there's always been throughout the history of the world, and there always will be a contrast between two kingdoms, two opposing kingdoms, two opposing kings. For all intents and purposes, we can say there's the King Xerxes contrasted with King Jesus. Or there's the, there's the kingdom of the air, Paul says, or the kingdom of this world, the Bible says, or there's the kingdom of God. To put it in New Testament, there is children of God and children of the... Tell me. Corn, <laughs> children of the devil, right? Children of God. You're either a child of God or you're a son of the wicked one, the devil. There's, there, you've either got the Holy Spirit living in you or you're, a, a, you're following after the spirit of the world. So there's always these contrasts. We can't get around it. You are going to serve one king or the other king. Does that make sense? You're going to be a servant or a citizen of one kingdom or the other kingdom. It's just the way it is. All men serve something, and it's either going to be we're going to serve God and the kingdom of his Christ, or we're going to serve, again, to put it in New Testament, money or the spirit of this age, the spirit of the world. 
Who, do we, who are you going to serve? That's, that's the question we're going to ask tonight. So we're going to see two contrasts. And though, in those two contrasts, I'm going to try to highlight three things. First, in Xerxes' kingdom, or in the kingdom of the world, addictions are um, encouraged. Passion, desire, the flesh is encouraged. It's heartily approved of. Secondly, in the kingdoms of this world, rules are made. We'll talk about those rules a little bit. And then finally, in the last thing, um, justice is exacted in, the, in, in, these, in this kingdom. So let's, let's begin. Let's look at verse, um, we're, we left off at verse 9 last week, so let's dive into verse 10 this week. So verses 10, I'll read it for you. Now, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bestha, Hirabono, Bigtha, and Habagabagasgar, and Sathirar, and Caracas, the seven eunuchs. What's a eunuch? Does anyone know what a eunuch is? I'll tell you what a eunuch is. A eunuch is someone who serves the king, and the king has castrated him. And the reason why the king has castrated him is because he doesn't want any man who serves in his kingdom to mess around with any of his women. And he's got a lot of women. He's got a lot of concubines, he's got a harem, and he's got a lot of wives, and he's got a queen. So any man who lives inside the palace becomes snipped so that there's no possibility of them procreating with the king's wives. Okay? Nice guy, isn't he? King Xerxes. He's very jealous. So anyway, so these seven eunuchs served in the presence of the king, Xerxes, to bring Queen Vashti before the king with her royal crown in order to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was lovely to look at. Okay, so let me just tell you what's happening here. It's really more of the same from last week. Last week, we talked about this party that they had. He threw a party for 180 days. Open bar, best wine in the world, the royal wine. He rules the world. He has the best wine in the world. Open bar, they're drinking out of gold glasses. They're lying on gold and silver couches. They're wrapping up in purple and violet blankets while they pass out on the floor of jewels and diamonds and marble, and it's just an amazing palace that he has. After 180 days of drunkenness and orgian and just open everything, in fact, Xerxes says, there's no compulsion, which means there's no rules, and he commanded every man, do whatever it is you want. Six months of just living in utter sin. He opens it up for seven more days for the whole city. So all the peasants get to come up and engage in this sin. And Xerxes just says, hey, look, we're going to bring in some fresh meat. We're going to bring in some new people. You just do whatever you want with them. Have a good time. It's on the house. And we learn, little tiny thing we learn in this passage is that Xerxes does this, not because he's a nice guy, not even because he's a fun guy, but because he thinks he's God. And he wants everyone to see his glory. It says it there in the first 10 verses that he did it to show off his glory. But there's one thing he hasn't shown off yet, and that's his queen. So he says, bring me Vashti. And did you notice why he wants Vashti? Because she is beautiful and she is pleasing to look upon. So let me just tell you what's something this is not a sweet little gesture, in case you were thinking that, oh, he wants to see his wife. <laughs> no, there's something more sinister going on here. In fact, most commentators will tell you that when he says, bring Vashti and have her come wearing her crown, 
what the original language is really saying is wearing only her crown. So he's wanting her to come through to reveal her glory. Look how, look how hot this chick is with her crown on to reveal that she's mine. She's my queen. She's my bride. So he wants to show her off in front of 20,000 drunken soldiers. Does it sound fun? Some of you guys are thinking, yeah, that sounds fun. If you're, what if you're Vashti? What if you're a woman? Does that sound fun? Well, that's what he wants her to do. And so the first thing that we see in this kingdom is that caution is thrown to the wind and addictions are encouraged. You can drink as much as you want. You want, to, you want women? I've got women. You like food? I've got food. In fact, I'm going to show you the best woman right now. She's my wife. Look at her. I want her to come out so you can look at how awesome she is. It kind of reminds me of this verse in Romans 1. I don't, I don't know if you... Well, let me back up and say this. Xerxes' kingdom is a yes kingdom. You, you can have whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Just live it up. Just party. That's really the life, right? No one telling you what to do. You've got all the money in the world, so you can do whatever you want, and you just drink, and you just party, and you just have a fun time. We're not going to tell you no. There's no compulsion. To, we're, this is a yes kingdom. We don't like the word no. And a lot of us want to live our lives like that. But it kind of reminds me of Romans 1. This is this, this famous passage in Romans. It, goes, it says this. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, remember, Esther's a godless book. God's nowhere in this book. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do whatever ought not to be done. And they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness because if God's not around, why not? And here's a list of all this unrighteousness. Evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. Really? Gossips? That's, that's, that's interesting. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, which means arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to their parents. Wait, is that in there too? <laughs> Foolish, faithful... That's in there. <laughs> Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And then listen to this. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. That's kind of convicting. <laughs> Paul says, because these people didn't acknowledge God, didn't, you know, in their mind, you know, God, here's the hand, you don't exist, forget about it, I'm going to do what I want. Because they didn't acknowledge God, this interesting thing God says, he gave them over to their selfish desires. So it's like these things are hardwired in us, which is why we talked last week that we're really no different than Xerxes. Xerxes may have a harem of concubines, but today we have a hard drive and a laptop, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we may, Xerxes may have golden couches and silver couches and purple garments, and we, we may not have those things, but today we have our own little kingdoms, our own little thrones that we set up, and we don't want anyone messing with us and telling us what to do. We, we strive. We're not, times may have changed, but our hearts have not. We have Facebook, and on Facebook, you know, I mean, we're all guilty of this. On Facebook, I'm the center of the universe. People need to, you know, People care about me. They want to know what I ate for dinner, and, and, and they want to see a picture of it. And, and, and they better glorify me by posting on my wall and saying, looks good. We love you. We, we're waiting for you to post something. 
We, we live in this world where we really do think we're like Xerxes. And so God says, when we don't acknowledge God, he just turns us into ourselves. He just gives us over to our impure desires. So it's like they're hardwired in our DNA. And there's a hint in what God's saying in this verse. There's something holding us away from it, but then, but then whenever we just ignore God, he can't hold us away from it anymore, so he just says, well, then go. And then you just raise your hand if this ever happened to you. I'm raising my hand. Yeah, you're saying, God, I want to do this, I want to do this. Wanna... And God says, fine, do it. I mean, I do this to my kids all the time, right? I want to do it, I want to fine, just do it. We'll see what happens. Don't cry when you get hurt. So this is hardwired into our DNA. So the spirit or the kingdom of Xerxes is just like the kingdom of the world. Persia, Paul's writing this to Rome. America, are we any different? We're not different. We have not acknowledged God, and we have been, in a sense, turned into these things. Envy, murder, strife, deceit, malicious. I, can't even, I still can't believe the word gossip is in there. We do these things every day. In the king, in, so King Xerxes represents the spirit of the world. It's the, spirit of, it's the way of the world. The whole world is advertising and epitomizing, this is what you want, this is what you need. If you had all the money in the world, this is what you would do. If you don't have all the money in the world, you can pretend like you do and do it anyway. Not only do they invent evil, not only do they create sin, but they heartily approve of anyone who does it. The more you drink... The more you spend, the sexier you are, we're going to heartily approve of that. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. We, do we not live in this culture? So how do we live in that culture? How can we live in that culture without being a citizen of that kingdom? How can we live in this culture without worshiping that king? Oh, here's a convicting question. Which king do you serve? Which kingdom do you tend to be more align with the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ or the kingdom that looks sort of kind of like Xerxes' kingdom, the kingdom of the air, the kingdom that Paul even had to denounce in Rome. Well, let's just keep reading then. So the first contrast is the kingdom of this world says yes to all of our sinful desires, to our flesh, to our wickedness. By the way, God sometimes says no, right? I mean, I know, I know. We don't like to hear that word. But a loving father would tell his children no. A loving father would say, no, you can't get drunk. No, you can't make it all about you. <laughs> no, you can't spend all your money on these things. And we don't like to hear that. But a loving father, the Bible says, tells us no. He knows what we need even before we ask. And when we ask for a piece of bread, he won't give us a snake or a stone but sometimes he might not give us the piece of bread, might give us something else that we need. So God who loves us says no. I love my kids and I tell them no all the time. It's becoming my favorite word actually. No, no, hey, no! You know, I'm saying it all the time. Does God tell us no? Yes, he does, he does, he does. Okay, well, let's move on. Verse 12. But then Queen Vashti, how do you think she's gonna respond, right? I want you to come out and dance around naked in front of 20,000 drunk guys. And wear your crown. Is she going to do it? You have to know that Xerxes has thousands of women. He's got a harem. He's got concubines. He's got lots of wives. And so he's taken all of them, and he's chosen the best. And he's made her his queen. And he wants to show her off to everyone. 
And she knows that. So let's see how she responds. But, verse 12, Queen Vashti refused to come to the king's command, delivered by the eunuchs. At this, the king became enraged, obviously, <laughs> and he, his anger burned within him. Then the king said to the wise guys who, we, who knew the times, for this was the king's procedure towards all who were versed in the law and in judgment. And the men next to him, being Kashinar, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Marys, Marcina, and Mermakuna, the seven princes of Persia, the princes of Persia. Isn't that like a video game or something? And media. So the media was there too. I'm sorry, that's, that's the Medes, excuse me. Who saw the king's face. They sat first in the kingdom. According to the law, that is to be done to the... She, he asked this question. According to the law, what is to be done to Queen Vashti because she has not performed the command of King Xerxes delivered by the eunuchs? I think this is sort of funny because Xerxes doesn't know what to do. He says, go get my wife, my queen, tear her to parade out here naked in front of all these men. And she says, no. And then he's like, What? Hey, guys, and it becomes a very serious matter. He puts together a cabinet of all his wise guys, his princes of Persia, all these leaders, all these little kings, if you will, and he brings them together, and he says, what do we, what do, we do? She's, she told me no. And they're like, hmm, no one's ever told me no before. If, in case you didn't remember, Xerxes grew up in the palace as a small little boy. His, his father was Darius. Darius basically was the one who conquered the world. And then whenever he was old enough to take the kingdom, Darius just gave it to Xerxes. So Xerxes, the spoiled little kid who got everything he wanted all the time because he was daddy's favorite. And now his wife said no, and he's like, what do I do? What does the book say? What, is the, what do my wise guys say? What do you guys think I should? I've never, no one's ever told me no before. And by the way, don't forget, these guys are probably drunk. They've been partying for 187 days. Yeah, yeah let's get together. Let's make, think about this. Wait, she said, no, what, what did you want her to do? You wanted her to come out here naked, right? Yeah, she should have come out here. Absolutely, she should come out here. Well, she said, no. Well, let's see what the book says. Let's see what, was, what Article 47, 38. No, wait. <laughs> so you know what's going to happen. I'll just go ahead and spoil it. They're going to make a rule. They're going to make a law. They're going to say, this is what's supposed to be done to Vashti. Let me just read it. Um, I'll keep going. Verse 18. Then Mumakon said in the presence of the king and the officials, you know what? Not only against the king has Queen Vashti done wrong, but also against all the officials and all the people who were in all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the queen's behavior will be made known to all the women, causing them to look at their husbands with contempt, since they will say King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she did not come. So basically, you know, they're all going to start tweeting it. They're all going to start Facebooking it. Pretty soon the word's going to spread that when Queen Vashti said no, now we're going to go home, and our wives are going to start saying no. And we can't have no in the yes kingdom. We can't have our wives telling us no. He keeps going. This very day, the noble women of Persia and Media who have heard of the queen's behavior will say the same to all the king's officials. They're going to tell us no. <laughs> we can't go home to our wives and let them tell us, no, you've got to do something, Xerxes. 
and there will be contempt and wrath and plenty. If it pleases the king, let a royal order go out from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, so that it may not be repealed, that Vashti is never again to become to come before the king. And let the king give her a royal, her royal position to another who's better than she is. So when the decree is made by the king to proclaim throughout the kingdom, for it is vast, you know, it's the whole world at that time, all women will give honor to their husbands. <laughs> when we come home, our wives will say, oops, better say yes. This advice pleased the king. And so he sent letters to all the royal provinces, to, to all the, every province in the world, and, it's, and he put it in a script and he put it to the people in its own language, so he translated it into every different language in India and in Persia and Ethiopia, and every man and master of his own house had a copy of it in his house in his own language so he can know the law, which is if you say no in the kingdom of yes, there will be hell to pay. Do you, do you not see any humor in this? He wants her to come out and dance naked. She says no. And so all these Persian kings are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Our wives are going to tell us no if you don't do something. And we can't be having no. So the point that I want to make in this kingdom, in the kingdom of Xerxes, in the kingdom of the world, in the kingdom of the air, if you will, there's rules. Did you know that? Even though the world that we live in, like Romans, says they invented evil and they gave hearty approval of your sin, there's still rules. It's not like you get to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want as long as we approve of it, but as soon as we don't approve of it, then we're going to make some rules. Am I right? Say amen. amen. Say what, what, or something. Let me know that I'm not alone. So the kingdom of this world does have rules. And most of the time, those rules are made by drunk guys. Those rules are made by, by so-called wise guys. Those rules are made by people who's really trying to protect their own kingdom, not their people. Am I right? Can I get an amen on that? Amen. So we make rules to protect us so that we can have things the way we... Our, our kingdoms have to be the way they are. We have to, I have to go home, and my wife's going to have to give me the remote. And if she says no, <laughs> we're going to make a rule and translate it and put it on everyone's shelf. You cannot say no to your little king. There are rules. So what's the contrast between Jesus' kingdom, between the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ? Does he have rules? Everyone knows that he has rules. That's why no one likes Christianity, right? Everyone's like, I don't want to do that because if I become a Christian, then I can't go out, I can't drink, I can't smoke, I can't chew, can't go with girls who do, can't wear blue jeans, can't go to the movie theater. <laughs> Everyone knows that Christians have a bunch of rules. Okay, so I, I got off, I got on a little, you know, soapbox there for a second. Christians do have rules, and those are legalistic rules, and I'm not talking about those rules tonight. But God does have rules. And Jesus says, and my commands are not, finish the sentence. No one knows this verse? You should know it. Jesus says, you should obey my commands, for my commands are not burdensome. My yoke is easy. Follow me, come to me, give me your burden, give me your yoke, I will give you mine, and it's easy to bear. My commands are not burdensome. The Bible says all of Psalms 
for instance, says, the Bible is like honey on my lips. These words of God are true and they're good and they're healthy. And, and God says, and I gave them to you so that it, it will go well with you. So you will prosper in the land in which you live, which is the kingdom of the world. So God doesn't make rules to protect his kingdom. God makes rules to protect his citizens of his kingdom. In fact, sometimes we think his commands are burdensome, but yet we try to run to the kingdoms of this world, and don't they have some pretty burdensome commands? I mean, all kinds of burdensome commands, and yet we prefer those commands. We don't shake a fist at those commands, but Jesus and God, he, gives us, he tells us no, and we're like, well, I get... Um, I find it interesting. I find it interesting that we prefer the ways of the world because they have no rules, but they do have rules, and they're silly rules, and they're rules designed for one man or for, or for the princes of Persia, if you can follow what I'm saying. But God has rules, and we don't want to follow his rules because, well, I don't want God telling me what to do. Has God ever told you what to do? And then you said, mm, yeah, no. Or you know what? You're right, God. I should do that, but not yet. <laughs> I got some other things first. It's not on my agenda. Look, I didn't wake up this morning wanting to do what you wanted me to do. I woke up this morning doing what I wanted to do. And yes, I hear you. You're right. I should do that, but no, not right now. We're just like Vashti, really. 